So, now, now that we did the introduction of line, because uh, right before this episode, Vedran and I were talking about what we should do, uh, I came up with the idea of talking about networking. So, what I want to know is what are uh, Vedran's thoughts and what are my thoughts uh, on uh, whether the drinking and the mingling with people and the conventions and the face-to-face meetings that uh, all of us have to uh, endure during our career, do they make sense? And has the uh, COVID and everything that we did during the COVID actually killed a lot of pro- a lot of things that we uh, did well before it? So has the loss of conventions and has the loss of uh, things that we are doing uh, face-to-face uh, created a problem for all of us? So now let's roll the intro and see uh, what is going to be our final uh, conclusion about this. Okay, Mr. Network Man. Oh, no, 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 no. Don't go on the network. Why not? Because the networks in this context are not the networks. Uh, let's call them interpersonal relationships. When did you become a guru, man? Now we have to do it because the uh, thing that drives everything, after all, is human uh, communication. And I think that one of the most important things that have has happened to me and you and all the other successful people, see how I slipped in that we are successful, mm-hmm. uh, is that we created a network of people that we can depend on. And the thing is that um, whatever you're doing, however uh, successful or not you are in the field that you're doing uh, your, uh, your uh, advance, advances, advancements in, uh, I think that knowing the right people is always uh, at least beneficial, if not crucial. So I think I- I'm going to start with the very bold idea that networking is is probably the most thing, the, the most important thing that you can do wh- when you're doing something. You do know that you just took me for a spin because uh, I was actually thinking that you wanted to talk about computer networks. This is a completely other topic. Yes, I know. So which one are we discussing? One, the first, the second, or both of them? No, 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 no. We are going to go with the drinking and partying. Okay, so human networking. Human networking, yes. Uh, This might sound like a little bit of hubris. It's not meant to be that way. Does this have anything to do with the recent award that I got from VMware, or is it something else? No. Okay. Okay. No, 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 no. That's good. Absolutely not. I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, okay. I'm going to do the thing is that Vedran was uh, selected as one of the top 10 uh, trainers in VMware EMEA uh, on the EMEA, EMEA uh, site. And since I know what uh, Vedran usually does and how he does it, I think this one was completely and absolutely uh, the right thing to do. I'm what I'm, you, you are a good teacher. Thank you. A good lecturer. And uh, but this is this is what we uh, we already know, and uh, teach them something, are losing a lot of things. Wow! Because you are you are good at controlling people, but this is the other thing. <laughs> but but you know, but, slipped uh, in nicely. People, this context is yes, but this is going to be another episode. Okay. How to actually influence and control people when you're doing the lectures. Oh, yes. Because this is the, probably the most important thing that uh, when it comes to lecturing, being able to be in control, but at the same time not being annoying. Mm-hmm. Methodical approaches. Okay, that's an awesome topic to discuss. Yes, I agree. So, but what I want to do now is uh, I'm going to start with some of the events that we both attended. Uh, the, big, the big events that uh, uh, different uh, companies created, I don't know, Intel Development Forum, 
uh, Nvidia's events, um, Nokia's events, Siemens events. So basically the events that all the biggest companies created. And we had the opportunity to attend them because we were uh, back by then we were journalists. Mm -hmm. uh, but the uh, events back then were created not only for the journalists, uh, but also for different technical people inside the uh, inside the uh, ecosystem back way then and of course today because those systems, uh, those conventions and those um, uh, events are still being run as we speak. Uh, the the thing that we are not doing is we are not contending them, but not because we are not invited, but simply because we don't have the time. Because usually the events take, take way, 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 way too much Are we time. going to include the uh, big three, uh, C CES, CBIT, and uh, Computex as well into the story, or do you want to leave this out? I'm going to go with including them, but in, uh, I'm not going to talk again event by event. Okay. I want to just, just say what those events are and how do you perceive them and how I perceive them. From networking them. perspective, I'm guessing. Okay. No, no, just, just as an event. As an event, also. okay. Because let, let me start. Uh, let me uh, go to CBIT. Uh, it was something like 12 years ago or so. This is one of the first CBITs that when the Chinese companies created their own space inside the CBIT in order to um, present what they were doing. Maybe it was 15 years ago. Uh, I remember that it was the first time that all the smaller Chinese companies that nobody heard of um, uh, presented themselves. Okay. And I know that this was one of the most eye-opening and at the same time most interesting events that I ever have been to. Because the, uh, the companies that were presenting themselves were completely uh, oblivious to how to do marketing. So what they did is that they created small, small stalls, they created um, that kind of uh, presentation, uh, presentation uh, stall that is basically two chairs, one, one table and a couple of uh, products in the uh, glass covered uh, cupboard and that was it. But what I learned from there is that there were amazing, amazing people behind those products and the networking part came from me not treating them like uh, just a windowsill but just uh, talking to each, each and uh, every one of them, introducing myself and just saying, okay, can I tell you what you're actually doing? And this proved to be extremely uh, fortunate and extremely uh, useful to me later because I got contacts to people who I wouldn't otherwise talk to because the generic names of the companies, generic from our perspective, so whatever it is, Shenzhen, uh, Global Star uh, Incorporated, Microsystems, uh, Microsystem Little, mm -hmm. Uh, doesn't mean anything to mm -hmm. me. But when I connect it to a certain person, certain engineer that knows what he's doing and he's trying to push his uh, products on, you know, CBIT, uh, actually made a lot of sense mm -hmm. to me. Okay. So this is one of the edge cases for the networking because it introduced me to another type of networking because I wasn't talking to global uh, workforces or global companies. I was talking to uh, companies that Chinese call small. Mm -hmm. And by small, it usually means that they're able to uh, produce something like under 50,000 uh, units per week uh, of, of a certain product. But okay, let's call them small companies. And I was talking to them on a, a trade fair that was just intended to do something like this. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that I did at that particular CBIT is that I almost completely avoided all the different big events that were intended to be uh, just a showcase of how much drink you can, you can have uh, for free. Okay. Actually, uh, if we are uh, taking a look at this from a little bit of a, let's say, historical perspective, I was lucky uh, that I had a prior experience of attending a global event before I started working as a, a IT journalist slash editor. When I was still back in in college, I used to work for a, a friend of mine has a music shop. He is a distributor for a variety of different brands, still is. And he took me to Frankfurt to Messe. Uh, ah, amazing. And okay. after that, I also got to NAM show in uh, in LA, in Anaheim. Yes, NAM, 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 NAM is uh, NAM is uh, 
If I remember correctly, it's a, it's a completely musical business-oriented uh, show. Messe is too, but Nam is way bigger. Yes. Those two were, for me at least, those two were big formative experiences because I was still very green. I was still something like third, fourth year, fourth year college, uh, and I didn't necessarily, uh, you know, go around and uh, uh, went to various booths, have meetings, meet people, and whatnot. We had a schedule. We had brands that we wanted to visit as distributors and whatnot. So this was my first introduction to, uh, let's say, professional networking and interrelationships on that level with worldwide brands like, uh, you know, the Korgs of the world, the Mesa Boogies of the world for guitar amps, uh, Roland, Yamaha, and whatnot. Those are very, very big companies. And for me, it was more about learning and sitting in a, in a corner looking at the stuff that was happening around me, getting introduced to how products are introduced in that world, live demos, whatnot, which proved to be, and attending meetings about the sales and the projections and, and stuff like that, it turned out to be a very good experience, as I said, formative experience for me, because later on, a couple of years later, when I started working as a journalist, I was already kind of aware of how this kind of works in a different industry, in a sense, uh, but it was basically very, very much the same in the IT industry. One thing was vastly different. Uh, in my first experiences, I was there with people who already, you know, already had all the contacts, already had the contacts developed over the course of many, many years in the business and whatnot. And after I started working for a computer magazine, Basically, I almost started from scratch, apart from one of my colleagues who already attended God knows how many of those and was quite helpful in that regard. But I also started working as, a, let's say, a lab manager then as well. And my my end goal was to expand the amount of brands that, that we work with. So I had to knock on a lot of doors and bust a lot of doors open. This is what I learned back then, and I still have the experience right now is that perseverance is going to get you anywhere, in terms of the IT industry especially, because uh, brands, uh, like big brands, even in IT, they do like to be chased a little bit. It's still the same to, to this very day. And a lot of those people that I met back then, which was 2003, 4, 5, you know, I, I still keep contacts with them, and then we are actually kind of like friends as well. Some of them really are friends. So those two things, so the first NAM and the first Messe, and then afterwards, first CBIT in 2004, those were my formative experiences in terms of how to operate on a, let's say, on a level of uh, human networking that is not necessarily a standard thing that a lot of people do. I think that we need to, we need to make, uh, make a difference and make a distinction between two things. First thing is the... Uh, events like NAM, like uh, CBIT, like uh, Berlin Messe, like uh, IFA or whatever. And those are the events where the product is usually the key. Mm -hmm. So everybody is trying to push their own products, product lines, uh, new releases, whatever they're doing. And the uh, thing that usually happens is that we have two different types of contacts. Mm -hmm. One is just going there to see the new products because you're interested in new products. Mm -hmm. And this makes the majority of people who visit those things. Mm -hmm. So basically they're there to just see the shiny things. It could be that they want to see the shiny things because they're interested in, in what, the, what is going to, be, uh, to happen in the future. Mm -hmm. But most of them are there just only to see what is happening right now. So they're not, they not interested in the future. Mm -hmm. But um, my perspective is that usually uh, since I started a little bit earlier, my first event that I attended as somebody who was uh, trying to talk to somebody just as business-to-business -business contact was in 1995 mm -hmm. because I had a colleague of mine who was uh, then trying to introduce Walnut Creek uh, CD-ROMs to Croatian uh, market. Oh, I remember and those days we, very well. Yes, and I went with him because he had the, the contact with Walnut Creek directly on the CBIT. So we went there specifically to have this this uh, particular appointment mm -hmm. because we were young. Uh, he didn't have enough money. Uh, none of us did, and so he tried to make a one-off, basically, um, start of the business. 
I just contacted the biggest uh, name in the sharing market, uh, sharing market uh, back with mm-hmm. then, and and he succeeded mm-hmm. uh, for a time because right now those times are be- behind us. But he succeeded in a way, and this learned me. Uh, this uh, teach me that uh, when you are trying to do something, it's not only the perseverance. It's also trying to understand what you are trying to do and having a vision of what you need to do. And this time, I don't mean it's a test. I mean, just you want to know who are you talking to, why are you talking to them, and you are going to have 50 minutes at most. Mm-hmm. So you need to make those 50 minutes to count because they don't have the time. Mm-hmm. You need to be the one that is going to say, okay, I need this, 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 and this. Uh, do the uh, negotiation quickly and then be on your way because you don't have any other uh, opportunity to, to, to talk to people of those caliber. And this is one type of the conflict. There's one exception to that. The yes. parties that you mentioned, especially on the computer fairs like CBIT, uh, Computex, and uh, let's say CES, are legendary for establishing private contacts and uh, fostering friendships and long-term business relationships. So generally speaking, you're completely correct. Uh, I'm not a party dude, but for those uh, types of events, NVIDIA parties at CB2 were legendary in München, Erhalle, etc. Um, yeah, I still remember those. So uh, th- th- those are the things that you usually wanted to make an exception for. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, the thing is that usually what you want to do then is you want to have a guide. You want to have somebody who's going to introduce you to everybody who is uh, anybody in the business. And usually what helped me was to have the uh, Balkan connection to <laughs> the parties because usually I just uh, basically teamed up with somebody who was already inside the, inside the industry doing whatever he was doing in this particular part of the business, but having enormous amount of connections that were on the mid-level usually, but came from our region. I was, yeah. And then I realized that... Yeah that uh, normal interpersonal connections are something that is uh, invaluable if you try doing something. My my way was completely the opposite. Okay. I started drilling from the top. Basically, I went to websites of all of the brands that I was interested in that we didn't have contacts with, found the marketing contacts and started chatting with them. So I didn't know anybody locally for the most part. This came a little bit later. Uh, because even locally, we had so many of these PR conferences, HP and Cisco and many other brands. So that those those were the days. But I, I just started, maybe not for a, a drilling from the top, but let's say side channel. Okay, so let's 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 just uh, quickly uh, uh, switch to other thing. The other thing is the different kind of conference, mm-hmm. and this is the conference where where people are the goal. Mm-hmm where you have some sort of a, tr- a track or tracks, somebody's trying to present something, but usually those kinds of conferences are just made as, as, as an excuse for networking. Mm-hmm. So, for, for example, we have a legendary conference here uh, that is done by Oracle, mm-hmm. uh, Oracle uses, uses conference, that is more or less completely uh, made up when it comes to presentations, but the networking part is immensely uh, strong. Mm-hmm. Because what they do is they uh, get important people in one place and then they are able to get them to network and they give them enough uh, time and space to talk to people. Mm -hmm. And this is one of those things where uh, some of the conferences fail. Because in a big conference, uh, you have been to some, uh, I have been to some, but uh, we need to explain. In big conferences, if you want to talk to the keynote speaker, Usually you won't you you uh, you will either not get the time, or you're going to get such a pitiful amount of time that you're going to be able to uh, get a few questions uh, uh, across. You're going to get answers usually in advance, and then you could just probably can record something uh, so you can prove that you actually talked to this particular person. Mm-hmm. I was talking to, for example, I was talking to Pat Gallagher in. The, in some uh, way back then in Barcelona and one of the Inters. Uh, you mean Gelsinger? Before. Okay. Before he was in VMware. So way, 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 way back, back then. And I remember that uh, that interview, it was something like 11 minutes uh, long. Mm-hmm. And the only purpose of it was for me to get some audio and some video of him talking 
the talking points that I could get from any other marketing guy from Intel at the time. Yeah. So it was just it was just for the show. Mm -hmm. He was there uh, not as a spokesperson. He was there just as a pre-recorded voice that was uh, <laughs> just getting his human uh, PR, his points walking PR. Yeah. So it was basically the same as uh, when it comes to uh, Hollywood movie stars promoting the movies. It was just an, uh, an interview after an interview after an interview. He had something like 30 of them in, the, in one day. And then he was off. Mm -hmm. You couldn't establish any sort of a contact. Because you weren't there for the contact. You were just there to see this particular person say those particular sentences. And that was it. But these are not the things that I'm interested in. Oh, I am. I'm more or less interested in, in the actual network. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know that uh, I'm not going to name names. But I was talking also to a high-level executive who later became CEO of a big company. And we had those 15 minutes or so. And I started the interview with, uh, okay, I don't care about your questions or, or your answers because I got them in advance. Mm -hmm. How do you feel? And then he was, he was completely, uh, he was yeah. completely uh, taken aback. And I said, I know that you look like you are completely tired. I know that you haven't had the time to sleep. How do you feel? Did you have the time to see the uh, city that we were in? And he said no. And then he started talking like human beings. And then he said that uh, after the 15 minutes were out, that we should talk later, because this was the first interesting interview that we had uh, during the whole day, because it was, it was completely off the record. Mm -hmm. I had a, a similar experience, but go ahead. Because you need, sometimes you need to treat people like people. Yes. And the highest level uh, executives that we uh, also, we already we all uh, hear about uh, and talk about and so on. Their lives are not that glamorous as the as it may seem. Yes. Because moving from um, I was talking to this particular executive, he was extremely high placed. He was the vice president of a big company. I I wouldn't say uh, 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 Forbes five hundred. I would let's, I would say Forbes ten company. And uh, he said that his life has been when he became the vice president, has basically been controlled by all the other people except mm -hmm. him. Because he, he did something like 37 weeks out of 50, uh, he was uh, traveling. He had his own private jet, but the idea of the private jet was for him to be able to uh, have some place to sleep while he's uh, relocating from a continent to another continent. Yeah. I had two major experiences like that. One of them was Mech. One of them was absolutely awesome. The first one was the aforementioned IDF. Uh, I went with a colleague. That was, that was actually after I stopped working for a computer magazine when I opened a website and started doing things on my own. Uh, I took one of my colleagues there and he went to IDF and I went, I tagged along as well because he was much more deep, more deeply into the technical stuff related to the chipsets and CPUs and whatnot. And IDFs back then were very much into those topics. But I managed to have a little bit of a sniff around, etc. Uh, my actual goal of uh, going in the US uh, back way then was more related to going to Backworld for the first time. That was quite a bit different. A lot of meetings, a lot of people calling me, are you coming? Even people who just found me in some kind of a directory of registered journalists, whatnot. It was crazy, absolutely crazy. Polar opposite of the IDF. But the biggest uh, formative experience in those conferences that are organized by a brand, for me, by a country mile, was NVIDIA GTC. Uh, one year, uh, I was one of the invited uh, journalists to come from this uh, region. I went there, you know, all expenses paid, Fairmont Hotel, blah, blah, blah. You know, it was just feeling like a king, but that's not the point. The conference was awesome. I sat f f at, I don't know, probably close to 40 different lectures on different topics related to GPUs. But back then, uh, GTC was about professional graphics. So Quadro, Tesla, stuff like that. It was very interesting to listen to those lectures because generally speaking nvidia's uh, nvidia's events were always superbly organized full of content very interesting stuff interesting people speakers you know because they work with the whole scientific community and whatnot you always had 
like a, a, you you had to make a conscious effort to make a good choice because usually you had two or three different lectures that you wanted to be at the same time. And after that, we had a press conference. And in the press conference, there were members of the press corps, a lot of them younger than me. And most of them don't understand what professional graphics is, what's CAD, what's, uh, you know, Katia, what's 3D Max, what's CUDA, what is the difference between Tesla and the Quadro cards. And here comes that IT Show cat yes, rolling around. I, the cat has to be shown, yes. so this is the IT Show cat. The, the, one of them, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Uh, we had a press conference, and at certain point of that press conference, after umpteenth question about when is the next uh, GeForce coming out, what it's going to be, how many cores it's going to have, blah, 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 blah. I lashed out at a whole row of young journalists. And the CEO of NVIDIA was there as well at the press conference, uh, sitting five feet from me. I lashed out and said, look, guys, I don't know in which parallel universe you live in, but this is not the GeForce conference. This is a uh, CUDA meets Quadro meets Tesla conference, professional graphics and whatnot. Please stop boring us with your questions because you are not getting any answers. There are much bigger questions to ask. And this was... Uh, Already after being, you know, after working with NVIDIA for something like five years or so, always had good cooperation with them, nothing to complain. After that, uh, our, let's say, cooperation went into overdrive. Again, because I was just acting as a human being, just like you. It's exactly the same thing. And the CEO of NVIDIA was obviously, you know, getting annoyed at unnecessary questions that he was asking, the people were asking him. Because that's not the topic of the conference. If you want that conference, well, I'll see you at CBIT or whatnot. Because that's the consumer type of show where NVIDIA used to present their products. And it was quite an experience, especially afterwards. After the wheel started rolling, after I had a brief chat with him, after I had a big chat with people in EMEA region that were handling PR and whatnot, this was in January. In March, we had CBIT, and there were reflections of that afterwards in terms of stuff that I was able to get from them and some presents that I got and whatnot. It was something that was quite formative exactly in the same way in which you, you described it. Because, again, uh, acting as a human being is, uh, for me, it wasn't about points. I was getting bored. but uh, And it wasn't for I, you I, as well. I, I, it wasn't for you as I well. I know how you're feeling because the uh, thing that usually completely uh, annoys me when it comes to any conference is when I see that people have come completely unprepared mm -hmm. and the only set of questions that they have is when is going to be the next generation of whatever the guy is doing mm -hmm. uh, how do you think the future is going to look mm -hmm. like and when where do you see yourself in five years yeah like the regular HR questions in, and hiring HR interview yeah. yes so basically, this is this is the worst kind of offender when it comes to a journalistic uh, conference, because uh, they show that first they have absolutely no idea what they're dealing with. Mm -hmm. The second thing is that they have no. Uh, they have no business being there, uh, by the way. They they have no actual reason why they are there, and the third thing is that they have no respect for the company, yeah. and I don't think that you should be treating all the companies with respect. But you should be treating your job with respect. And respect for the job means that if you are going to, I don't know, uh, city sewer company conference, you should at least know what the city sewer company does. Mm -hmm. And this should be just the minimum of the minimums uh, of the necessary requirements for the company. But let's now switch away from this. and Let's talk about the networking in the biggest possible sense. Uh, but for me, actually, these, these, the, uh, this specific situation was uh, like an advanced course in how to approach people in terms of professional networking. Yes, I, I, I completely understand you. I completely understand because uh, the thing that people need to understand is that there are two kinds of uh, networkings. Uh, first kind of networking is the networking when you need when you go to the conferences. Mm -hmm. And when you actually meet people, mm -hmm. these are the people that you are, not, you are going to see probably a couple of times in your life. Mm -hmm. You are going to talk to them or mail them 
maybe uh, every day, maybe a couple of, every couple of months, or maybe every three years. But you are not going to see them in person uh, a lot, because they are too way um, up the company ladder uh, to have the time to talk to you. It's not that they are uh, being obnoxious and ignoring and so on, because they simply don't have the time. There is so ma so much time in people's uh, life, and they don't have the time to talk to every person that they ever met. Mm -hmm. uh, but there, there are also other uh, things that you you will learn, and you will uh, people who you are going to meet, who are going to ma make uh, low level um, uh, influence in your professional life. But the amount of the things that is that is going to happen is going to be. Uh, uh when combined it's going to get much 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 more uh much more uh influence on your daily uh on your, on your daily like, life like so, compounded example, interest can you just can you just uh, move your uh, chat away from me i can <laughs> oh because poor I'm, you I'm, okay so <laughs> uh Let's talk about the student club. Oh, I'm going. I'm going to make a pause here and say, let's talk about the student club, club again. Uh, as you remember, uh, the, back way then we had the club, club clock set. It still exists. The student club yeah. for the uh, elected university students of uh, University of Zagreb, basically. Mm -hmm. But the club itself was run by people who are who were students. Mm -hmm. This was probably the only. Uh, known thing that I know that has existed for close to 50 years now uh, that has been is and is going to be run by students mm -hmm. and it, it has the least amount of um, uh, I'm going to say influence by the faculty itself mm -hmm. and I think this is one of the most important things that I attended because all the people that I met there uh, are right now in either uh, middle or high management positions in companies in Croatia mm -hmm. and all over the world. And I got direct contacts to them and I can talk to them when I need to do something. And we are uh, sometimes calling it uh, the set underground because <laughs> we are able to do some things that uh, shouldn't be done just by talking to other people who also met to set. Mm -hmm. And this is one of the things that I want to say to people that they should do. When they are at the university, they should make sure that they do the connections. They should talk to other people who are uh, with them at the, in the university. They need to make sure that they know those people and to uh, keep the contact with them. It can be the most elementary contact uh, there is, but it is going to be, usually it's going to be uh, of uh, use later. And usually those are the people that you are going to see in your local university uh, club or campus club or whatever, mm -hmm. or you know, or the students' uh, organization, whatever it is, because those are the people who are uh, showing the uh, necessary things to lead. Mm -hmm. So the people who are going to see leading the students' club are usually going to be the people who are going to uh, be uh, leading some sort of a company or at least as a senior company. There are two things to add there. First and yes. foremost, the reason why that almost always universally works is because the people that usually hang out in student clubs for a variety of different universities are bound by the topic that they're interested in, which means that they have, yes. they have mutual interest, professional one, which can also easily lead to, uh, let's say, networking and then even private relationships, which is awesome. At that age, that's super important for, you know, getting formed as a person at the end of the day. Uh, but there's also one thing to add. This is something that's, I think, missing today. Because the reason why our student club worked was because it not long only had that as a presupposition. So it already had... The fact that you had a lot of people with similar interests there, or uh, even big one or two, it was actually that they had one very big side thing that was sweeping all over the world that was combining all of us at that particular point in time when you and I were there, which is the internet. 
uh, which com yes, com also one, one compounded more thing, our no no no, but it compounded our uh, our communication in multiple different levels, because for the first time you were able to IRC and whatnot, you could talk to the people from the student club or your group of students or whatever locally or even abroad to meet new friends meet new people without having to spend gazillions of you know every any kind of uh, currency to do that there is there is that but you also had a couple of things also going for you first is the common enemy who the faculty Since you were studying you were studying in the university we basically had the same problems yes and it helps when you can talk to different people about the same problems that, that you have because you don't need to explain. Mm -hmm. The second was uh, the music. Okay. This was after all a club. Mm -hmm. So uh, after uh, hours in the night, in the evening, whatever, during the weekend and so on, there were concerts mm -hmm. there. You went there simply because you were uh, surrounded by like-minded people. You felt comfortable there. Uh, usually there wasn't any or there weren't any problems in the club itself so you got into a nice atmosphere with people that you could relate to and you could actually have some sort of in, experience yeah, in, informal informal hanging out hanging out partying whatever yes partying uh, drinking uh, listening to very 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 strange uh, <laughs> Uh, punk musicians. music man I, I, I'm going to just say that the <laughs> punk music doesn't even uh, start to explain mm -hmm. it because what we had back then is uh, that one of the probably most influential uh, organizers here in Croatia uh, Matej Kugar mm -hmm. was creating the because I'm going to name him because he's immensely popular and immensely interesting um, he was uh, responsible for creating the uh, the program or part of the program, a series of concerts. Mm -hmm. And what he did is he was able to find uh, enormous amount of completely, for us, completely anonymous bands mm -hmm. that made sense. Okay. And uh, what he created was a sense of completely new uh, music being incorporated with completely new outlook on life and it was very interesting okay because uh, there is no way for me to go out and uh, see some of the bands that i saw there yeah not, not not simply because i wouldn't go out because i had no idea that they existed mm -hmm. there was experimental jazz there were there was electronic um, music a lot uh, there was a lot of electronic music but I wouldn't call it a lot. There was much, much more experimental uh, guitar, uh, postmodern punk, uh, different things that you wouldn't able be able to describe today, because these the, uh, these were uh, different kinds of people who were doing different kinds of things, and it was also the interesting part. Yeah. So not only you got the nice contacts, you also got to hang out with people who are like-minded in music, and this creates a bond. Mm -hmm. That's all so, true, but uh, the, the biggest topic of that is to be in tune with the time, because at the time when we were there, when when both you and I were there, internet, computers, IT, you know, computer science, whatnot, was booming on a completely different scale to anything else. So this is not doable on all of the colleges, uh, because uh, in order to foster those relationships, for them to become business relevant for example, or privately relevant, you need to keep those contacts and actually, you know, kind of like nurture them or something. It is impossible to do if you're working, uh, it's impossible to do that if you're working in a field that's completely on the fringe and nobody cares. You know? Okay. So there, there was that okay, as well. I... And also there was, uh, there was one big, 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 big thing. And that big thing is that we had enough of... Uh, uh, communication and enough of mingling and partying and uh, networking and at the same time uh, we didn't have all the things that people now right now have yeah we didn't have we didn't have the whatsapp uh, and chats and whatever we had to be there in person yeah. so the internet was happening but the communication itself wasn't so uh, 
so acute. So people had to be there in person because what has happened is that uh, we have probably hundreds of ways to con contact each other and we are not using a single one of them. Back then we had only one and this was talking to head uh, directly face to face and we were using it. So the, these were different things. Mm -hmm. And this is what, where, where I wanted to start 40 minutes in, where I wanted to start the networking thing. Mm -hmm. I think that the most important thing is establishing connections, trying to find like-minded people. And by like-minded meaning, some, sometimes it means that you are into same technology. Sometimes that you are just insane in the same way. Mm -hmm. So we are following some sort of uh, music, some sort of art. Uh, you are into, I don't know, board games. You're into reading sci-fi. You have good books that you have read uh, that, are, that are the same. And at the same time, being doing something professionally that makes sense. Uh, I don't know. You know a guy from your uh, student club who is at the same time running the one of the biggest uh, uh, data centers in Croatia. Mm -hmm. And since I know who he is, he knows who I am. And we have known each other for at least 30 years now. Mm -hmm. uh, we know what we are talking about and we can just negotiate in five minutes something that would take probably a week to add people. Mm -hmm. And when doing this, we also enable people around us to see that this works. So we are not wasting any time. We are not wasting money. And so the networking suddenly becomes money. Mm -hmm. Networking suddenly becomes something that you can actually make your professional life out of. Mm -hmm. So do the networking. I, uh, I would like to reference something that you just said because I feel very strongly about that one. You said insane in similar ways. That's such a good, yes. such a good and self-aware uh, description of what is super important for a lot of different types of networkings to happen, especially when you're younger or when you start your, let's say, college journey or education journey as such. Here's the reason why I'm saying that, and I'm. We are often, uh, oftentimes, we are discussing this topic with, uh, with our students off hours, at least, not necessarily during the classes. But um, uh, all, uh, I always get into these discussions with students that they ask both you and I, yeah, you know, you already know so much about this. How can I ever compete? You are 20,000 hours ahead of me, whatnot. Basically, the loser mentality, as I usually say, I'm like a, a predetermined loser mentality. What a lot of younger people nowadays don't understand. I, I, I don't mean this to be a, a harsh criticism. It's just something that I kind of noticed. Is that a lot of them do not have the thread. Uh, they don't have the topic that completely uh, that makes them completely insane. Something that they are so very interested in that they cannot, you know, live or sit or breathe or eat or or you know, drink or whatever without finding out something about it. Uh, a lot of younger people nowadays don't have that, some, some kind of, it can be a hobby, of course, or it can be something else. It can be some kind of a topic that's constantly tingling them and not giving them any time to be like at peace or whatnot. And I think you're looking for the word drive. Yeah, it's, it's the end goal of my, my two-minute rant. Uh, the the end goal of that is that they don't invest time into one single topic. I understand some of the reasons why, probably. You know, it's difficult today. It's a lot of risk involved. Maybe you start, you know, your journey towards the wrong thing, which tomorrow might be gone, whatever, all of that. But that all existed when we were in college as well. There is absolutely no difference. The principle is exactly the same. In life, if you want to... Uh, succeed in general and also if you want to have good networking with other people you need to have that drive because most people who do good networking i'm talking mostly now about the business type of networking are driven by similar things and they don't have to be the same topics similar principles they want to know something about something they want to uh, steve jobs in his stanford speech explained that uh, with the word passion and I, I think that that's a very good explanation of it as well. You need to be passionate about something, like crazy passionate about something to be successful in it and not to give up, uh, even in, in the face of uh, enormous odds. The odds are not important when you're younger because you still have a little bit of time to kind of like get to 
the the thing that you are going to do. And networking plays such a huge role in that as well, both as a presupposition and as uh, also as an end result. Okay, completely. I'm completely with you because some of the things that I have talked to people about are, from my perspective, completely irrelevant. So, for example, I don't know, fishing mm-hmm. or golfing. I have absolutely no idea why fishing or golfing exists. But at the same time, whatever it is, when I see somebody who is passionate about it and who is going to go into it uh, as much as they do, it could be something else, flying, uh, model uh, aircraft, uh, uh, model trains, uh, playing, I don't know, uh, city skylines or uh, SimCity before that, for hours on end, it actually creates a, an image of, peop- of a person who is multifaceted. Mm-hmm. I want somebody who is not just into whatever he claims he is in, because he's not going to be there forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, people have switched uh, companies. Uh, I don't want to be connected only for, to a person who is a passion about the graphic cards. Mm-hmm. Because it could be that uh, he's going to just become passionate about something else. Mm-hmm. One of the biggest, uh, better executives that I know in Croatia started off in uh, McDonald's, switched to um, uh, Sony, uh, way back there when Sony was Sony Ericsson, and then he went off to some pharma company uh, to become an executive. So he was passionate about a lot of things. But his passion wasn't his job. Mm-hmm. His job was just being a good uh, marketing, uh, a good uh, manager. Mm-hmm. And this was something that he did, uh, did good. But when it came to uh, us knowing each other and talking about different things, we realized that we can uh, work together on some, on some of the things that he was doing. I was interested in his uh, McDonald's job or his farmer uh, job. But when he was uh, in Saudi Ericsson, I had a lot of things in common with him, and I was able to talk mm-hmm. to him. So uh, the idea of not be not talking to a person who is just uh, an Intel guy or an Nvidia guy or whatever, but to a person, is what makes networking uh, networking exist uh, even exist. Mm-hmm. Because uh, you can say that a person is I don't know a marketing manager for Nvidia. This doesn't mean anything. But if you know John, who is the marketing manager for NVIDIA, whatever, I'm just making things up right now, and you know that John is uh, likes golfing, uh, likes firearms, and likes uh, running long, uh, long walks in the rain, uh, this is something that creates a person out of him. Mm-hmm. And then you suddenly do or do not have a reason because you, uh, why, why you want to talk to him. I just had a brief interaction with one of the marketing manager whatever pr managers of nvidia on facebook today i think or yesterday because he was okay I, you know the, those relationships are something that was fostered over years and years of uh, mutual let's say respect and working on it and whatnot they don't go away we are friends on facebook and linkedin and whatnot i can see what's happening in his life he was uh, posting a picture about how he spent the past i don't know couple of years investing time and money and blood and sweat and tears into a small cabin that he wanted to rearrange and reorganize and make functional and whatnot. And I just said what I really thought uh, was true because he made it look absolutely spectacular without uh, any hesitation and whatnot. But for me, actually, uh, you actually you kind of touched on the topic that uh, has a large, like uh, had a large influence on my life in a little bit of a different way that type of networking that you just described, knowing a person that it's, that that person is a person named whatever, who lives there and there, who has this interest or that interest, whatnot. I mean, I remember uh, some, I don't know, it was probably 15 years ago, one of those guys from NVIDIA told me that he likes a certain uh, music by a certain author. And I was like, yeah, that's cool. I was just playing dumb, and the next time when we when we saw each other, I brought him a DVD of all of the uh, stuff that I was able to find on the, you know the YouTube and whatnot from that specific author. He was so happy, like a small child, because yeah, I, I kind of remembered, and people do tend to remember that. It's uh, uh, when you do that algorithmically 
for people many, many times over. Not because you are a robot, but because you appreciate them, really, without any kind of reservation. That's what started me in the direction of doing some of the stuff that I'm doing today. Uh, and it uh, working with those people, and this is super important for uh, uh, in terms of networking, working with top-class people has a tendency to make you good at stuff. You know, because they're kind of pulling you along if you're willing to go for that ride, of course. And I was, and a couple of my colleagues were as well. And the, the stuff that we learned from those people who are, who are mostly in technical PR and stuff like that was like immense amount of information and knowledge, which helped a lot afterwards. I mean, nowadays when I do, uh, we kind of like, uh, you put a spotlight uh, on, the, uh, on the, the prize that I got, which is completely irrelevant, not, not the topic that I wanted to even cover. But some of the stuff that I discuss on my classes to this very day, especially on the Viewer classes, which are very hardware related, are uh, something that I can really explain well because I went through that with those people. That's uh, another side effect of long-term networking with super smart people who know what the hell they're talking about, if you understand what I wanted to say. Yes, 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 yes. This is the, the thing is that uh, once you come into the group of people who are like-minded, you are going to get introduced to other people who are like-minded and this is going to just, and this is the point of networking. Even when we uh, talk about how um, uh, people are being, I don't know, uh, good old boys or whatever of the, of the university such and such, it's not that. They want to be surrounded by people who, are, who they are not afraid mm -hmm. of. They want to have somebody who is going to be on their side or at least understand what they are trying to say. Because sometimes they don't have time to explain everything. So the networking is basically you uh, getting to know those people and becoming a person that they, uh, they believe in or that they trust even a little bit. Because a little bit helps. But It's just that you are not going to create a problem for them. Sometimes it's enough for them to uh, talk to you and to help you. Because they are surrounded by people who create problems. Very much correct. Because people don't understand uh, what we are discussing here. And that's the primary reason why that happens. But that, that's the value of that shared fabric of that mutual insanity on the, uh, some of the topics. Because when you have 5, 10, 15, 20 people who are in the same industry talking about the very same thing, they usually, usually they, they push each other along. You know, usually they push each other forward along. And that stuck with me after I was done with that part of the career for, like, since forever. Uh, since the, the, the day I stopped. This was the ethos of the stuff that they taught me. And I, I didn't really understand what happened there and how some of the things became the way they are now. But now talking about it, I'm just kind of like self-reflecting in a sense and becoming self-aware, consciously self-aware, and describing in words what I knew for a long time without actually thinking about it or maybe not finding the correct words to explaining how that worked. And the same thing happened to you too. But uh, the thing is that uh, it's not that it only happened to me, but I also, way back then when I was uh, probably 20 years ago or so, when I was uh, talking to different people, when I started noticing the people that I knew for 10 years way back then were becoming something and someone's in, in uh, different companies, mm -hmm. I suddenly understood that almost all of the things that I want to do are connected to, per to people. Mm -hmm. And by people, I mean a certain person, not uh, a um, completely amorphous uh, people who are going to be uh, for example, I know I want to talk to a marketing manager for the company X. No, I want to know who this person is. Mm -hmm. And now nowadays, first thing that I, when I uh, try to, to contact something, somebody, a company or whatever, first thing that I do is I go to LinkedIn and Facebook to see who do I know in the company and he is he high enough so he can help me. And this goes basically completely against the entire idea of the capitalism. Because you should be the professional in your job, and your job shouldn't be connected to your uh, to your friends. 
But at the same time, we have so much negativity and so much uh, distraction surrounding us mm -hmm. that uh, you are more than willing to help people who you don't know, but you consider them uh, not friends, but you're considering them uh, not an enemy. Mm -hmm. So basically, uh, uh, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. <laughs> so suddenly it becomes the problem uh, or the problem. The thing that uh, is, is being created is that you are more than willing to talk to a person who are just not going to create problems for you. When you trust somebody and you have seen that he is not going to go uh, on, the, on the record with something that you said off the record, you're completely willing to talk to him uh, about whatever he wants to talk, or talk to you about. I have a... And this is, this is a topic um, I was talking to a few, a few of the guys uh, a couple of years ago. And I had, uh, during, the, during the summer, in the same week I went to something like two or three, because I, make, I tried to make, uh, uh, to, to make it um, at least once a year to talk to some of the, some of the people and go to, go to have lunch with them during the year. Because I want to keep in touch with mm -hmm. them, they don't have the time. I don't have the time. So during the summer, it's usually the best way, uh, best uh, time to go ahead and have lunch. Mm -hmm. So I created a week where, when I had uh, enough time to go to two or three lunches uh, in a row with different people that I like, and I uh, like to talk to them. And after those lunches, I was walking home, and I realized that I have at least three huge uh, front page stories that I'm not going to mm -hmm. use. Because these are the people who said it to me uh, completely off the cuff. It was on the record and it didn't make any sense to talk mm -hmm. about this. And then you realize that the idea of networking is just establishing some sort of um, first uh, communication and then some sort of trust and respect. Mm -hmm. And then it's easy. Yeah. The business part is simple. It is. If you ask somebody from, I don't know, Let's say that you are asking somebody from Intel to send, send you a video card. If you know a person high enough in the marketing, it's a given. He's going to save you, send you a card, he doesn't care. But the thing is that you are not going to ask them because you don't need it. They, don't, they realize that you are not going to ask it, uh, ask it from, uh, from them because almost exclusively people who are asking for the cards are usually the people who don't need the cards. And then you are going to get the card given. I'm not talking about Intel specifically here, but you're going to usually get the card when you're a journalist simply because you didn't ask for mm -hmm. it. And this is one of those things. Uh, it's a, a completely counterintuitive, but when you treat people like persons, the job part just happens. I would actually expand this uh, in a completely opposite direction because I do have some very, very different experiences in that in a positive way i mean when when i was still in that in that business which was quite a few years ago now uh, i remember whenever i had spare time literally whenever i had spare time like a couple of days i would fly to the netherlands uh, met meet with a couple of those people usually four or five of them i used to spend uh, you know, I used to sleep there with them. Uh, you know, they, they kindly offered me accommodation as well. You know, marketing managers of various companies and whatnot. Uh, we went, uh, I don't know, everything from eating to partying to clubbing to, you know, uh, the, the, the coffee shopping, not for me though, uh, to, for example, karting every single freaking day. And I, I flew to Netherlands for that purpose at least 40, 30, 40, 50 times to spend time with some of those people. I mean, I know some of them so well that I know their eating habits, sleeping habits, whatnot, because, you know, I used to, like, play Xbox with them in their living room at 3 a.m. or something. Because back way then, uh, if you were enough, let's say, socially aware enough, if you were normal enough, Again, as you asked, how are you feeling? You know, that's a, st a conversation started that they don't hear every day. If you're normal enough and, and you're willing to work off of that and on that, yeah, sky is the limit, no problem. There is no door you cannot open. Yes, and if the door is unopenable, it usually is because the, that person who is uh, behind the door should be contacted in the first place. Mm. 
because they are going to be the one that are going to be uh, uh, initiating contact when the time comes. No, either, either that or they're going to be insane uh, in such a way that you don't like it. So you're going to be avoiding them in the first place. Okay. And this is one of those things. It's just not, uh, I'm using insane here as a completely uh, non-political word because yeah. I don't mean uh, somebody who has mental problems. Yeah. Uh, I just mean somebody who has different uh, outlook on life. And this outlook on life uh, is more or less compatible with your, your mm -hmm. own. It could be that he is just, uh, I don't know, in your, uh, for, for your example, he could be just a musician. He could be into music, particular music, and he can find his um, way of thinking completely aligned with your way of thinking when it comes to music. Mm -hmm. And then he doesn't care which part of the uh, company he's working in because he knows that he can talk to you about the music anyway. Mm -hmm. And the rest of the things is going to be just normal professional stuff for him. So if you ask him if he can, if he can do something, He's going to say, okay, he's, this is the nice guy. Let's just not make problems with this. Let's talk about the music. Let's go back to the music. Mm -hmm. And this is the, this is the biggest part. So I wanted to just wrap this thing out and say the networking and understanding the networking and understanding the people around you is one of the biggest things that you can do when you're, when you're doing something. And uh, becoming the part of the team is not that. Becoming part of the team is... Uh, good when it comes to a certain company inside a certain team but uh, being able to talk to different kinds of people in different com companies and keeping contact uh, keeping, uh, keeping in contact with them is usually in the long run being much 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 more useful to you mm -hmm. and this is something that I think people right now I think they're missing they think that networking means being good, being nice to people at your own workplace. No. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. It means being nice to people who are uh, in the same field as you and who are, I would say, invited to the same places as you because the person inviting you has the reason why they did it. Why they did it. Mm -hmm. So usually the first part of the equation has already uh, been, been decided for you. Because somebody said, okay, these two people or these 10 people belong together mm -hmm. for some reason or the other. And then you are trying to find uh, interpersonal relationships inside this. And this is one of the interesting things. So don't try to network with people inside the company. Try to network with people inside your field. Hence the reason why one of the next episodes is going to be a, pro a byproduct of good networking with some of the, uh, some of the attendees of our specialist education. The next topic that you are recording about in the next couple of days is exactly the result of that pure dumb luck, but also a little bit of you know networking and discussions and a couple of coffees and a little bit of time uh, allotted for for those discussions. But more about that very soon. I'm just going to say that uh, this is not pure luck. No, it, no, this it's thing, not. This but... thing is just the byproduct of uh, both you and me. Uh, having enough students in the last 10, year, 10 or so years that uh, the luck has no uh, yeah, the num influence. It's a numbers game now. It's, it's just a numbers game and we are, uh, we are going to win because <laughs> there are so many people who are, go who are working in our field. And if we, are, uh, if we made some soft sort of impression on them, we are going to be on their positive side. So the good guy list or the good children list uh, <laughs> when it comes to Christmas. And this is going to be beneficial to us. Mm -hmm. But the main thing is that neither us or them are in it for the benefits. Yeah. We are in it for the field and for the game. Yeah. And the benefits are just going to be a side effect. For me, it's about the fun. Yes, that's it. Yeah, we are both. He's just playing. He's just, just, just playing with, with, with people who are like. Yeah, it's just two of us being, uh, you know, overgrown children, just like them. Yes, <laughs> uh, me, uh, as you said in the start, me trying to be, me becoming so overgrown that I need to lose a few uh, kilos. But uh, <laughs> one of those things. Okay. We are going to uh, be working on. As long as we are alive, probably. Yeah. 
because I know I know a couple of guys who are in their I'm going to say late 70s and they are still uh, networking with each other uh, usually they are the doctors because I know the a lot of the doctors here who are um, here they're in their pensions they are, they have they are retired completely they're out of their field but at the same time when something happens people actually do call yeah because the the, the health health is itself and specialist in the field is still a specialist in the field. Yep. Somebody who has forty years of clinical experience is something that when even he, when he's eight years old, somebody is going to call him and say, "Okay, can you just give me some help about this?" And more than uh, more than uh, more often than not, once he's going to just do 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 it. So this is one of the examples that I wanted to just uh, mention. But yeah. as I said. It's a good thing to be, uh, to be in the network. It's a good thing, I think, to know a lot of people. And it's immensely good uh, thing to talk to a lot of people. Yep. Because you are going to find like-minded people. Yeah, agreed. Okay. Any last words? No, I'm good. This was fun. Okay. So now the next episode is going to probably be on the real networking. <laughs> we, are going to do, we are going to do the sub No. Flat out <laughs> refuse. But what we should do is we should be doing an episode on IPv6. You can do it. No, 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 because I wanted to just uh, create an episode because IPv6 is probably one of those things that is so something that I am expecting to see and it is more elusive than uh, Nessie itself. (laughs) We know that IPv6 (laughs) is possible. But nobody has seen it run. Yeah, not really. Yeah, eastern part of the world, China, uh, you know, Japan, South Korea, and whatnot. They do have a lot of IPv6 networking, and the world is switching to it. It's just that it's 25 years after you and I were told that everything needs to switch now. And uh, what what is it that now, 10 years after we have, we have been told that IPv4 has exhausted the IP address space and. Yeah. Uh, the, the internet is going to break uh, irretrievably now and we are going to just lose the internet itself yeah. and so on and so on. Then more about that in some other dimension. <laughs> yes, so lo, uh, roll the outro. I was Yasmin. I was Vedran. See you in the next episode. Bye. See you in the next episode. Bye.